like put on lipstick for this shit. Uh, well, I'm gonna let me just say, hands down, the last episode of McKinsey when you were at the uh, Emmys. Oh, silvery dress with your hair all done and your makeup. I was like, girl, that's a long way from overall. I know, right? <laughs> that's I needed a team. I needed a team to make that happen. From Atlanta, try out 10th and Piedmont on a Sunday night. It's not really for the faint of heart. That was kind of my first exposure to Atlanta, and we had jams on Sundays at Whole World, and that was pretty fun. Always left with many, many belly laughter pains, which is a good thing, unlike the other kinds of pains. Pretty much any pain in your belly is bad. Laughter also builds abs. Fun fact. It's the Whole World Improv Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who barely passes for his late 40s. Not because of his looks, really, but his maturity level. John Mihalik. Ah, being immature isn't that bad, John. I'm going to ride that wave to the end of time. Atop a white fuzzy beast named Falcor. Now, all I have is a little tuxedo cat. She's, her name's Emery. She's like a person. Huh? She her, her litter box room was accidentally closed last night. I don't know how. But um, she pooped on the the bath mat in the middle of the night and she folded up the bath mat perpendicularly perfect and so i woke up to this just smelly smelly bathroom but the bath mat was perfectly in there i was i was proud she knows how to fold <sighs> i should have children or something Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole World Improv Podcast. This is Jamie Halleck, and with me is my great co-host, Chip Powell, Artistic Director of of Whole World Improv. I'm glad to be here today because I'm very excited to introduce our guests. Everyone at home, please give it up for Michael Sweeney. Yay! You're not supposed to clap for yourself. (laughs) And then also with us today is Sarah Baker. Y'all give it up for Sarah Baker. Yay! Hi! So guys, this is our 26th year. We're leading up to 27 and a lot has happened in that time frame. The very beginnings of whole world are kind of where we're focused right now yeah. on our origins. So Michael, tell us how and when did you find whole world theater? I went to school with Jennifer Horn. Then I came down to Atlanta to intern at the Alliance Theater where she had interned. She told me about this new theater that she was starting with her husband-to-be, I think at the time, and all these really cool people that were involved. So she invited me over to kind of start rehearsing with them. This was when it was over in Little Five, I think. Yeah, that Elizabeth space. Street. Yeah, Elizabeth Street space, which I, I, I don't think I've thought of Elizabeth Street until just this moment in years. But um, <laughs> I started rehearsing with them over there and I was still interning at the time at the Alliance. So I was kind of moonlighting and coming over to rehearse with everybody at Whole World. And at the time, the management of Whole World was more lax about like, oh, well, your commitment isn't 100% to us because you're already doing this other thing, but we want to have you come over when you can. Mm-hmm. So I would come and rehearse with everybody. I wasn't able to do shows because I didn't have time because I was at the Alliance six days a week, but I would rehearse with them on Sunday nights. And then I stayed with them for, you know, once I left the Alliance, which isn't a funny story in and of itself, but. Uh... Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I want to hear, I want to hear that story. Oh no, we don't want okay. funny stories on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the Alliance intern program was 
I'm happy to say, apparently, I, I may be mistaken on this, but the policies of how they treat their interns at the Alliance have changed because of me. Their policy was it was a two-year intern program, and you basically, in exchange for your you know, your study there, you were basically a, a free understudy. So we would back up all the shows there. And if somebody, I never actually got the chance to go on. I think one of us did during my tenure there, but um, but that's what we were. We were essentially unpaid understudies. And that was sort of what their program was based on. But in exchange for that, we would get, you know, vocal training and Alexander technique for posture and all this kind of, and in addition to scene study and all that. So it was very, like we were there, we had, we were supposed to eat, sleep and breathe the Alliance Theater. Like we were there all the time. For two years? For two years, yeah. We weren't supposed to work anywhere else. And I was coming to the end of my second year and Lawrence Keller was directing over at the Alliance Theater and he did the Christmas Carol there. And I was an understudy for that. And I met him there. And he called me and asked me if I would come over. This is while I was kind of moonlighting and I was still, you know, doing improv rehearsals with the gang, but I wasn't telling anybody about it at the Alliance. It was totally just under the, you know, under the rug. And, um, he called me and said, look, I'm going to do a play at Whole World Theater called Four Dogs and a Bone, and I'd really like you to be in it. I was like, uh, I would love to. And I actually, I take that back, Chip. I have to go back because I also filled in for somebody in Bomb and Gilead that I didn't tell him about. And then I did mm. Bitches that I didn't tell him about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I oh, totally forgot. And Bitches was like, because I remember I had small enough parts in that that they would work around my mine and Lauren's schedule as well, because Lauren was also in the intern program. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I got ahead of myself and forgot all that. I but it was nobody was talking about that. It was Four Dogs and a Bone was the one, though, that um, did most of the plays that we did at the time did well. I mean, we would end up extending the runs and stuff. It just went on for fucking ever. I can't even remember how long. And uh, Four Dogs and a Bone did really well. And we ended up extending that a few weeks as well. But there was a lot of press for that one because Lawrence was trying to get everybody to come, right? And the shows were selling out and stuff like that. We did this with Emily, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we still got the poster. Yeah, it was a great show. I was super, super proud of it, right? But I couldn't tell anybody at the Alliance. And we were, in the meantime, doing really well and getting all this press. And then the journal put out a pretty good write-up of the play with all of our names and a big spread and a picture of all of us. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to keep a low profile over at Alliance for this. And I literally, the day that that came out, I walked over to the Alliance to do my, my uh, got out of my car, went in to do the um, rehearsal for the evening, which was an understudy thing. Got in the elevator and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go directly into rehearsal. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm just going to stay. Doors open and both the administrators of the program stepped on the elevator with me. And we're all standing there and I'm just kind of like, what's up guys? You know? And they shook their heads at me and they said breach of contract. And on by Monday morning, this review came out on Thursday, I think. By Monday morning, I was out of the program. Ooh, and I only had love? and I only had two weeks to go. Uh, so they were being pretty, you know, they were like, breach of contract, that's it. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But then they ended up changing that policy for the future interns. I don't know if it was like a year later or something like that, but everybody that was still in the intern program told me about it because everybody was basically, to my defense, started to rally and was like, well, he's doing, he got to play and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you're supposed to be working as an actor in Atlanta. And that's, I was just looking, I was trying to jumpstart that. And I figured there's like enough of a, there was enough of a gap, enough of a overlap where I would still be able to commit to the Alliance for the remainder of my time. What I didn't tell them is I'd been doing this for you know, yeah. the entire time that I'd been in the intern program. So I figured at that point, it's like, well, if I'm going to be all in somewhere, I may as well be all in here. So there I was, you know. We've heard in previous episodes that Whole World was also very intensive and they wanted everybody's commitment. And I'm just curious, after hearing you, were all the theaters like that in the late 90s? They were just, everybody has to be committed solely to us? I mean, I don't know. I mean, even Whole World, 
we got there. We got. We to that did point, get there, but sure. I don't remember it starting that way. I just think it's. I don't know. I think there was a feeling at that time of like being very territorial instead of just being like, oh, you know, these are all people trying to work. And I mean, with our thing always at Whole World was sort of the like, not just doing shows, but like we were a company, you know? And so I think Webster wanted us to be tight, which I think to a point that was good, you know, because we were doing improv, we wanted to be able to trust each other. And if you had like kind of a rotating cast, I think that would have been harder to do. But then obviously it just got taken (laughs) way too far far. and became like, (laughs) you know, we're all trying to like grow our careers and stuff. And if you're in a position where somebody doesn't want you to like grow, that's that's a good indication that you're not in the right place. In a lot of ways, for a few years in there, it was certainly a choice, I think, in terms of a lot of our personalities being so, so tightly knit, where it was like, I remember you couldn't go get a cup of coffee without telling somebody else to go and get a cup of coffee with. I remember like, you know, you didn't go to the movies unless you called Lance and said, we're going to the movies. And then everybody went to the movies. Yeah. I remember one time when we decided to have a night off from rehearsal and we all decided to go to the movies instead. And we caught Phil, who'd called in sick to rehearsal <laughs> at the same <laughs> That's hilarious. We've talked to Anna, Lauren, Michael Snow, Annie, Jim, Lance, and a lot of the conversation comes back to the fact that whenever anybody got a day off, we all were just together anyway. Yeah. We were talking about the John Chiroke, Michael Snow compound on 12th Street, where we did it. Would you would meet there because it would be easy to go to brunch or the park or the time you know Webster came over to my house and it was when Phil and Rain were deciding if they were going to get married or not, and he burnt like this whatever this egg concoction he made, he burnt in my oven and break my oven out. But it was just like no matter what it was at that time, that group was unlike no other. And we really did bond. And that was the great thing about it is a lot of us still have those friendships to this day. And I always tell casts that are coming up behind us, you know, it's important. I believe that was one great thing that I also learned from Webster was that you've got to make these people look good in a show and you got to raise each other up. And so I keep telling the people coming up when you're in this cast, do things together, be together, love each other because this moment for you and some of these friendships are going to last 25, 26 years beyond. And that's, you know, what we have. That's great. Yeah. It definitely was always about like, try to make your scene partner look good. And that's definitely something I've always had in the back of my head is like, you're there to like be the best you can for the other person and be prepared for the other person. And and not every place is like that. I remember, you know, you make yourself look better by being invested in the other person because you're creating something that's organic and it's real. And out here, I remember going to some places where I would do improv and it was a rude kind of awakening when you realize that people were not looking you in the eyes. They weren't paying attention to you. They were turning their face to the audience and mugging and trying to get all the attention. You know what I mean? As opposed to like being invested in, in the thing that was being created on the spot. And I always valued that about whole world so much is that it was all those little, those little rules. I mean, we had every week, we would have a new thing that we were going to focus on and we never sat back and rested on our laurels. It was always, okay, today our goal is we're going to do this thing where we do eye contact very first thing. And, you know, we would start scenes, make sure the eye contact was there, make sure there was some sort of chemistry without letting the scene go, move on to somebody else. 
just to make sure that we were always covering all those basic terms of atostartosine. And that's why they always worked. I think when we got to the point where we were doing all those crazy sold out shows week after week after week, and we were all so close, it was because of that partly, you know what I mean? All of us investing in each other on stage. And it was just a different game too. I mean, out here, you know, we're obviously coming from LA. Out here, it's such an individual game because a lot of people are using these improv theaters or sketch theaters as a means to further their career. And when we started at Whole World, we were all just like young artists who wanted to create stuff. We weren't really thinking about what is it going to get us? We were just wanting to create something pure. So the the sort of philosophy of becoming close, of building each other up, of supporting your scene partners on stage and off and building that trust was a good thing to build a group. But yeah, when you're out here in a lot of places, everything is more transient and it's a means to an end. You're trying out here, people are trying to actually make a career. It wasn't until that sort of became more of a possibility in Atlanta when we did start having a lot of success and we did have casting directors and people coming by and plucking people for certain things that I don't feel like it ever really became competitive between us, but we were kind of pitted against each other in some ways to try to make each other better a little bit. You don't think so? No, I think that's true. Uh, I didn't know where, if you were going in the direction of when we got to that place where it was like, no, you can't go anywhere else. You can't do these other. Yeah. Well, that, that and, it? but also, you know, it would be like, I don't think this person is doing well. So I'm putting them back in this like lesser group. Oh, for a right, while right, 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 and, right. You got to take a couple weeks off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or because like, you're not getting ca- cast in the show. Cause you had a bad, you had one bad night or something like that. You remember, Sarah, do you remember the night that um, it was you, me, Thomas and Emily. And we were told <laughs> that we had to go down to third space and work on ourselves I remember that because you were crying on the way down and all I kept saying was like, girl, he is, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about because you're so damn talented. Like, you know, so it was just one of those things that it was like, you never knew who was going to be on the chopping block. And yeah. sometimes it was you like you and you were always like, oh, or if it wasn't you, you were like, oh, thank God it wasn't me. Oh my God. Yes. And so many times it was just like, if you, if you, I don't know how much I want to go here, but yeah. it's like where you fall out of favor socially. And that was the reason yeah. that you were being pushed back. <laughs> you challenged somebody and they didn't like it very much. Yeah. Or maybe you did, maybe you had a bad show. And then, and, yeah. and obviously, and that's when things started to get tricky because we were all like live wires and like raw, you know, we were all just learning and we were so invested so when that started to happen, where it would be like, oh, I'm, <laughs> it's always around putting Jimmy on ice for a few weeks. And sometimes like in that case, it was like, I want to, I, this guy is getting too confident. I want to knock him down a few pegs. But, you know, it was so wrecking to our confidence. And I think that's when seeds of mistrust got sort of sown in the group until we finally figured out like, oh, this isn't anything really between us. There is a source for this <laughs> negative energy and maybe we need to, maybe we need to align and focus against that. Anyway. Yeah, at that point, like people who had been with the company since the very beginning getting asked to leave and stuff. And yeah, you oh, know, yeah. And I know the reality of life outside of the bubble that this was is that you don't do well in a show or whatever, then you don't get asked back. I get that. You know what I mean? But it's like, in this case, it was more of a, no, no, we've all decided you're done. You're out. 
or I've decided. You're done. Yeah. That's it. Hey, you've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com. And that's theater with an R-E at the end, because we're fancy. Sarah, you know, you were saying that Michael Sweeney was one of the reasons you came to Whole World. Can you tell us about your origins of coming to Whole World? Yeah, I mean, he was the reason because we went to college together and were close friends. And then when my partner Bobby and I were looking and also Michael's partner, Bobby. Um, Not the same Bobby. No, no, it's it's the same Bobby. It's the same Bobby. It's the same, same Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> I think Bobby's everybody's partner. Yeah, he's probably Michael Snow's partner too. True. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> he tends to be more intimate with me. That's that's true. <laughs> um, but we were, you know, we were graduating from college and trying to figure out, okay, so now what do we do with our lives? Bobby was probably going to go to grad school, but we wanted to take a year off of school before he did that. And we just sort of assumed we'll go somewhere for a year and then wherever he ends up going to grad school, we'll move there. So Michael was working in Atlanta. He was working with this new group. We'd come down to visit him once, I think after we graduated over the summer and they were just starting stuff at Whole World. I mean, it had been going, I guess, maybe for a little while. But I don't even know. I don't even think I'm, I have such a bad memory and I should preface everything I say on this podcast with that. It's not helpful when you're doing a podcast about history. You came in when we were in Spring Street, didn't you? Is that when you? Well, Elizabeth Street was still the rehearsal studio, but I can't remember if if there were shows. I feel like there were shows already happening at Spring Street, but I'm not positive. I think there were. Yeah. Yeah. So we come and visited, saw what was going on there. And it was like, oh, well, that'd be a good place to go. Atlanta is like a kind of an easier city to start out in just being two broke recent graduates. And we at least knew one person and I knew Jen a little bit, not so much, but I knew Jennifer Horn from school a little bit too. So we decided to come down and I was like, well, at least that's somewhere I can like, I knew I could at least take classes at Whole World and try to get something going yeah so we kind of followed him down there and then and I started taking classes and I feel like it progressed pretty Pretty quickly quickly. yeah Yeah. at that time you know I don't even know what your process is now but like at that time it was like I basically took classes until Webster was like okay we're gonna try you out in a show and it was myself and um I can't remember his last name Tom Land. Tom Blanford, Blanford, I think. (laughs) And we literally did, well, we did, this is the most intimidating thing. First, my sort of class had to do a show solely for Webster and the members of the company. So we had to like perform an improv show just for Webster (laughs) and the company. Yeah, it was Yeah. And there was this well-meaning guy in my class whose name I don't remember, but wouldn't mention even if I did, because people were so janked to be on stage. They were like losing their minds. So this guy ends up biting me, actually biting me on the top of the head during a scene. Because it was like, you know, it was something where he 
okay, fine, you want to do that. But he should have been like, ah, and pretended, but instead he actually bit me because he was like, he was like, I don't know how to <laughs> pretend and do improv. So somehow or another, I kept going. And I think Tom and I were the sole survivors of that class to actually make it into a show. But one brilliant thing I have to give Webster credit for is he really wanted to set us up for success with the audience. So he, during the show, we sat in the audience, Tom and I, as if we were audience members. And then back at that time, the bathroom was, you had to like walk on the side oh of the God, stage right. yeah, yeah, yeah. to go to the bathroom. So he was like, at a certain time, you'll walk around the side of the stage to go to the bathroom and then you'll come back out. And when you come back out, I'm going to stop you. And so that's what I did. I walked and then he'd be like, he was like, hey, you, what, come over here for a second. And I had to be like, me, you know, me, the audience member, and then go into the show. And then I think the audience then kind of got like, oh, this was planned or whatever. But it just, it made people more like, oh my God, they're actually doing it. You know, she's not bad. So yeah, that was my first whole world show. Oh, wow. Totally forgot that. Probably scared a lot of audience members, you know, if they <laughs> tried to go to the restroom, they're going to get right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Join us next week when Michael Sweeney takes us into the world of musical improv, and I ask Sarah Baker about the most important entry on her IMDb page. Until then, this is John Mihalik saying thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, the kind of podcast you could bring home to meet mom if we didn't randomly yell fuck so much. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and presiding patriarch is Chip Powell. The producer, writer, and editor is John Mihalik. Really, John, you couldn't go more than a week without bringing back all those credits? <laughs> You're so needy. Original music by The Gentle Readers. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. We promise we'd totally be a good reference for you in a job interview if you need it. Love you. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. It'll be the funniest thing you declare on your taxes this year. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. I'm the size of a planter's peanut, and I look and smell like one, too. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. So, she's named Emery. I'll go, okay. It was 4th of July, 2019, and I saw a tiny little kitten in this gutter, probably about seven weeks old, and she was meowing from the gutter. I think she was scared because of all the fireworks going off. And so I go to try to grab her and I'm kind of usually a cat whisperer. I've had many animals in my time and she was so scared from the fireworks. She bit my index finger so hard that I couldn't feel it for about three months. And I went to the urgent care and they said, oh, go get a, go get a rabies shot from the ER just in case. And then I had to do all the sequence of rabies shots for a while, but I finally caught her and uh, adopted her and named her Emery because I was in Emery emergency room. And now she's my buddy.